Hope you've had a great week. I uh, hope uh, you are enjoying the presence of the Lord and that uh, His Word is alive and real in you. I have been so encouraged with, uh, <laughs> this sounds kind of strange, I've been so encouraged by my preaching lately. <laughs> but just the things that the Lord has brought, uh, brought out of the Word of God, and uh, I've been reflecting on them, preparing for this week's message. And uh, some of this is sort of an outflow of that, and um, I don't know, I was just uh, encouraged by the Lord's presence in His Word today. Up early this morning, uh, reading His Word, and then went to, uh, I, I walked two miles in the morning, just, just walking. I was listening to the Word while I walked. And uh, my goodness, the Lord was, uh, you, you know, the Lord was up early this morning. He's up every, every morning early, and it was just so good to be in his presence. And that sort of leads us into this. I want to direct your attention this morning uh, to James chapter 1, verses 12 through 15. James 1, 12 through 15. A message that I've entitled, The Theater of Your Mind. What's showing? What's showing? Let's begin reading in verse 12 of James chapter 1. Blessed is the man who perseveres under trial, because when he has stood the test, he will receive the crown of life that God has promised to those who love him. When tempted, no one should say, God is tempting me, for God cannot be tempted by evil, nor does he tempt anyone. But each one is tempted when, by his own evil desire, he is dragged away and enticed. Then, after desire has conceived, it gives birth to sin, and sin, when it is full grown, gives birth to death. You feel that? You hear that process? Step one, step two, step three, step four. You know, all around us today, uh, there is turmoil. All kinds of things going on in our world with COVID and race relations and economic downturn. And I don't know about you, but it can get to where it just wears on you. It can get to where it fills my mind. I have done some things to limit that, and the Lord's rewarding me because of those. But I just want to encourage you today. Uh, we touched on some of this last Sunday, but I know that you know, many of you have lived many more years than me, but throughout our whole history of the world, there's never been a time when everything was at peace. Sometimes I think we see our world and we think that it's brand new. This thing, the turmoil, the shaking, the things that we're enduring, oh, it's never been like this. Well... In reality, it's been like this with different causes many times, many times. And many of us have lived through it. It's amazing how easy it is for me to forget. And that's one of the wonderful things about the way the Lord has, the way the Lord has wired us, uh, that we, we, we lose the, the venom of, of past events. But that also causes us to forget that we've sort of been here before and we endured and we'll do so again. Throughout the recorded history of our world, there's never been a time when everything was at peace, uh, and it's important to keep all of that in perspective today. There has been no period of time in our world where there hasn't been war. If we just, if we just look at the nature of conflict between peoples, there's never been a time when there wasn't something going on somewhere. And while we study those things and we try to avoid those things, I want you to know that there is another battle. Doesn't make the news. Almost nobody's writing about it. Certainly doesn't make any headlines. CNN doesn't cover it. MSNBC, none of the local news stations, ABC, NBC, CBS, Fox, none of those really write or talk about this battle. But if we really understood where those other earthly battles, physical battles, open conflict, if we understood what caused those, we would trace it back to this battle that I'm going to talk to you about today. 
Because really all of the conflict, all the relational difficulties, all of the fear, all of the stress, all of the worry, all of the, all of the things that mess up our world originate in this place. And I'm really not so much talking about, it is a theological construct, but I'm not talking about sin right now. I'm not talking about, a, I'm not talking about spiritual warfare. It's a different thing. And I've already told you the title so you can figure it out. We, we face a cunning adversary and he commands the army aligned on one side of this battlefield and when someone attempts to expose his tactics, they inevitably seem as if they're conjuring up this battle for dramatic effect and sort of theatrical amusements. But today, I want to talk to you about the battle for your mind. The battle for your mind. Uh, it is the, it's the, it's the place where all of the things that give rise to, to open physical conflict, it begins in somebody's mind. Divorce that splits up a family, it originates in the battlefield of some man or some woman's mind. The, the, the rage that causes someone to murder or to hurt. Well, if the mind could be conquered, if the mind could be ruled, we would never go there. The racial division that grips our nation, our world, we might say, well, it's the heart those are just synonyms for the thoughts and the way that we perceive people. If we, could, if we could rule that space, all of that stuff would stop. I have no doubt. So there's a very real battle. And whether you think about it in those terms or not, if you'll begin to think about it, you'll feel that battle raging in you. Are you going to be, are you going to be anxious? Or are you going to be at peace? There's a battle pulling are you going to be generous or are you going to be greedy? There's a battle in your mind that pulls you. Are you going to forgive or are you going to be unforgiving? There's a battle that goes on. Are you, are you going to respond to every hurt or are you going to be gracious and just let things roll off? There is a battle that ensues in our mind and periods of time like the one that we're living in right now. Man, it just makes that, at least for me, it just brings that battle up to the forefront. We've got to get engaged. If you don't engage, well, you lose. The battle of the mind is lost. You concede it. And worry and fear and doubt and anger and unforgiveness and bitterness and jealousy. All of those things. The, the scripture calls those the work of the flesh. Those are going to be the things that rule in you. Or you can engage with the weapons that God has given us. And you can win the battle for your mind. There's some rules. Let me, let me go through this scripture again real quick. Let me read James chapter 1, 12 through 15. I know we read it a moment ago, but I want to put it before you again. Blessed is the man. Who likes to be blessed? Blessed is the man or the woman. I want to live blessed. And the scripture says, blessed is the man who perseveres, who endures, who stands up, who doesn't quit under trial. Because when he has stood the test, he or she will receive the crown of life that God has promised to those who love him. In other words, if you don't persevere, if you quit, you don't get the crown of life. This is a battle. When tempted, and we all are, no one should say, God is tempting me, for God cannot be tempted by evil, nor does he tempt anyone. And then James goes on, and he tells us where the temptation comes. Now, when we think of temptation, we always think of temptation to sin, and that happens, but watch this progression. Watch. But each one is tempted when by his own evil desire, fleshly desire, human desire, fallen desire, and we all have it, he is dragged away and enticed. We'll talk about those in a moment. 15. Then after desire has conceived, so you see something, you respond to it out of your nature, your fleshly nature. After that desire is acted upon, 
Something is conceived and it gives birth and then sin comes in. Did you notice that? Sin's not, you don't instantly move into sin. Your own desire entices you and you dwell on that desire and then that desire gives birth to sin and then sin grows, it gets big and then it produces death. I just want you to notice that. Temptation, James says, let me give you the rules of this battleground. There's some rules that that you and I can use, but temptation comes from our own evil desires. That's rule number one. Temptation begins, or at least the doorway, perhaps that a spiritual foe, but I don't think that everything that we face is because we're dealing with some demon or the devil. There is a nature in you and I that pulls us. Temptation begins in you and me, not in some external deal. You say, well, people are tempted when they get in the wrong environment. If people could walk into the wrong environment and not have a fallen nature, it wouldn't mean a thing. There's always going to be, there are always going to be evil in the world, but just because there's evil in the world doesn't mean you have to sin. Temptation is It takes root in our evil desires. Each of us is born with a sin nature that cannot be totally removed from any of us short of death and receiving a new uncorruptible body, according to 1 Corinthians chapter 15. You are always going to have to fight this battle. When you quit fighting, you start losing. And listen, not all sin is sexual or violent or or, 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 or thievery or hatred. You can, you, there are other sins. Um, you, can, you can respond out of, you can not forgive. I believe, I believe that's sinful. To him who knows to do good and doesn't, to him it is sin. So don't just put this into the context of sort of, I don't know, sexual, sort of big things, sort of sexual sins or, or you know, extortion or murder. No, listen, all of us have evil desires. It may not be those areas, but that doesn't mean that we're not, something's not trying to pull us in a way away from where the Lord wants to take us. We are enticed when uh, our own evil desires. Let me give you another rule. Number two in, that, in the rules of engagement, that desire pulls us into sin. I want you to notice that there's a step before sin. Very important. Hold on to that. That desire comes before sin is conceived and gives birth. The the word there, enticed, it's it's an old word. uh, It's the the Greek word, deleadzo, deleadzo, and it means to bait. I like to fish. I don't ever go out there without a way to have bait. I catch my bait on the river. I have a big 10-foot throw net that I've learned how to throw. I throw it out of the boat. I catch shad and small Asian carp, and I cut them. And I, use, I don't put a hook out without bait. And temptation uses a bait. That's what enticed means, it, it, to catch by a bait. It lures you. It dangles something that it may look good. It may even feel good. To be vindicated in a situation and to withhold forgiveness feels good in a moment. To be, to be proven right, to get your way to... And, and, and this is going to sound strange, but to worry actually has a good feeling in it for a little bit. We sometimes think that that's... That's being concerned. I'm being engaged. I'm not just isolating myself. But 
We're enticed by something. We, we think that if we, if, we, if we consume ourselves with it, we can somehow find a solution that's only in God's hands. We're enticed to move things by our own ability. That desire pulls us into sin. And then, watch this, here's where it, here's where it becomes dangerous. That temptation which is in all of us, it baits us into something, some external thing, some pandemic, some shaking of our world, some news report, some situation baits us in and we are drawn away from belief and trust and faith and reliance upon the Lord. Our mind begins to swirl. Come on, you know what I'm talking about. You play the scenario over and over and over and the movie goes over and over and you hear the news report in the middle of the night over and over. You remember the thing someone did and it just goes over and over and over and it desires you, it draws you in and that desire, the scripture says in James, conceives Tit-toe is the, tick-toe is the, is the Greek word, and it is literally the word that happens of a woman giving birth. It's this picture of conception, the growth of a baby, and finally after a time, uh, the, the baby grows in the womb, and finally after a time, it's born. That's exactly, we dwell upon things, and all of that dwelling, and all of that takes place in our mind. We play the offense over and over. We play the thing that makes us afraid over and over. We, we, we worry about the, you know, the report that's going to come two days from now. We, just, we just, just can't get it out of our mind. It just goes, oh, it's all. It consumes every thought. That's that conception process. Until eventually we begin to indict God or we begin to hate our neighbor. Or we begin to withhold goodness or we begin to not give or we withdraw or some way. And we've just played the scenario over and over in our minds. And it's conceived. And what does it conceive? That desire conceives, number four, sin, which produces death. Once again, I want you to notice that the sin didn't, you didn't just, watch this, you didn't fall into sin. You ever heard somebody say that? Well, he fell into sin. No, he didn't. He thought about it. She thought about it. They, they were tempted. They were baited. They were enticed. And then they let their mind dwell on it over and over and over again. And then sin was conceived. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 56 says that the sting of death is sin. If there was no sin, death would have no hold on us. It's not until sin gives rise and is conceived in us that we are then drawn into sin. Romans chapter 7, verse 5 says, For when we were controlled by the sinful nature, the sinful passions aroused by the law were at work in our bodies, so that we bore fruit for death. A process, we dwelt upon it, we, we thought about it, we, 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 just, it, we just let it grow in us until sin was conceived and then sin does what sin always does, it produces death. Each of those four rules of engagement, principles if you will, are spiritual laws that cannot be defied. Once you begin this process, and I want you to see it that way, sin isn't something that you just stumble into it grows. Step one, temptation. Step two, we're enticed. Step three, we give birth. Step four, sin is there which produces death. There is, however, a reality in this. Watch this. If there, is, if there are two steps in this battle for our mind before we get to sin, oh, praise God, 
We can interrupt that process. We can stop that. You don't, listen to me, child of God, you don't have to live in sin. You don't have to live in fear. You don't have to live in anxiety. You don't, I'm not saying that all of those are sin, but those follow that same pattern. There are, there are pieces in that process. All of human nature, God is giving us a primer here for how the human mind works. And if there are two steps before we get to the third step where sin is conceived, if I can interrupt step one or I can interrupt step two, hallelujah, you and I can live above what this world says we should be. And we can respond in a way that is godly and good and builds his kingdom and doesn't destroy us. Scripture says, and I don't have it on the slides, but he has given us everything we need for life and godliness. What does that mean? He's given you an alternative step one or an alternative step two. You don't ever have to get to step three unless you allow yourself to. Man. I should have preached this on a Sunday morning. <laughs> it's good stuff. <laughs> I'm looking at Pastor Randy. He's sitting right over there. I don't know if you can hear him, but he's the only one. Amen to me. Those two, those two, two guys in the back, they're, they're talking about sports or something. They're not amen and nothing. Yeah, now they say amen. All right. Oh, yeah, now they're getting all excited. But listen, you don't have to follow that process. There are variables. There is an intersection where choice is possible. It's at that point, listen, that I want to center our concentration this morning. What I'm saying is that there is one place, actually two places, but certainly one in those two steps where you and I have a choice. Because we have all fallen. We all have a sinful nature. You're not going to escape that until you put off this corruptible body. A bait will always be offered to you. Your flesh is going to try to entice you away. Always. Just count on it. And that bait, if given into, will produce sin, and that sin always produces death. Let me give you those four again. We all have a fallen nature. A bait is going to be offered. That bait, if given into, will produce sin, and that sin always produces death. But here's the great news we can control the bait. It's right there at that place. You can control what's running through your mind. And what is available for your flesh to try to entice you away with? How's that produced? Uh, it is possible to live sin-free in your thoughts. I believe that. I don't always do it, but I believe it's a possibility. Let me say that a little differently. I believe that if I can control my thoughts, I can prevent myself from sinning. And so can you. Let me say it even differently because it might have more application to your world today. If I can change my thoughts, I can live without fear. If I can change my thoughts, I can live above worry. If I can change my thoughts, if I can replace the bait in that process, I can rest. I have confidence in the Lord's provision. I have I have the strength of my convictions. I can testify to his goodness even in the most difficult of times. If I can just win the battle for my mind. You see, the soul, the spirit, and the mind in the scripture are likened unto ground in the scripture. It's a farming analogy. You know the story of Mark 4. I won't read it all, but you know that it's there. The sower scatters seeds and some of it falls on hard soil. Some of it falls on soil uh, with rocks, some of it falls on soil with 
uh, weeds that grow up and choke the plant, and some of it falls on good soil. One choice, right, sets into motion a chain effect that can cause a life of hardship. Galatians chapter 6, verse 8 says this. It goes right along with Mark 4. Do not be deceived. God cannot be mocked. A man reaps what he sows. A woman reaps what they sow. The one who sows to please, listen to this now, see how it links to this? The one who sows to please his sinful nature, from that nature will reap destruction, temptation, enticement, sin, death. If you sow, if you put things in you that feed your sinful nature, you will reap that bait that you give your mind to work on, the thing that you let your mind dwell upon It's going to produce destruction. The one who sows to please the Spirit, from the Spirit will reap eternal life. That scripture in Galatians 6, 8 is speaking about that moment of choice. What have you put in you that either your spirit will respond to or your flesh will respond to? What have you given your mind to dwell upon? What's the bait available to your own sinful nature? One choice sets into motion a chain effect that can cause a life of hardships. Watch this. We talked about a process. Step one, step two, step three, step four. Fleshly nature is there. You're enticed by your sinful nature. Sin is conceived. Death takes place. One, two, three, four. Watch this. You see this in the real world. One sagging electrical line in Cleveland, Ohio in 2003 connected with a tree branch. Just one line sagged in a windstorm and connected with a tree branch. That happened at 3.32 p.m. on August the 14th, 2003. That single line on the tree branch set forth a chain of events that led to the largest blackout in American history. According to the most comprehensive study of what happened, a failure of the single transmission line caused a utility company in southern Ohio to overload and to seal itself off from the now infamous power grid. To the north, this created a huge need for power, and Cleveland began sucking an unsustainable amount of electricity from Michigan and Ontario, Canada, knocking out more transmission lines and generating, and generating plants. When the need for more power reached New York City, Power plants there sealed themselves off from the grid in order to protect their systems. It was an automatic response. So that their systems wouldn't be overloaded, they sealed themselves off from that need. However, that created a new problem for New York. Ironically, it had too much electricity and overloaded its own system. The result was history's largest electrical, most enduring electrical blackout ever. In the same way, a single little choice, a single moment of indiscretion, a single dwelling upon the circumstances in our lives can begin a chain reaction that provides the bait that lures us into a thought process, into a pattern that conceives sin and then produces death. Let me say it a little different. We are living in a time where bait abounds. Don't take the bait. 
feed your mind things that are not full of the ability to lead you down a path that will ultimately produce sin, produce at least destruction in your thoughts and your mind. Don't take the bait. Romans chapter 8 verse 6 says, The mind of sinful man is death, but the mind controlled by the Spirit is life and peace. 2 Corinthians chapter 7 verse 10 says, Godly sorrow brings repentance that leads to salvation and leaves no regret, but worldly sorrow brings death. Worldly sorrow, all this worry, all this, all this un, un, unending turmoil that goes on in our world. Colossians chapter 3, listen to what Paul said. Colossians chapter 3, and I'll stop with this, verses 5 through 8. Paul says, put to death, therefore, whatever belongs to your earthly nature. He makes a list. Sexual immorality, impurity, lust, evil desires, and greed, which is idolatry. Because of these, the wrath of God is coming. You used to walk in these ways in the life you once lived. But now you must rid yourself of all such things as these. Anger, rage, malice, slander, and filthy language from your lips. You say, well, Pastor, I'm not doing any of those. I'm not, I'm not saying that you're living any of those realities, but I do want you to notice what Paul says those things do. They, they, put, they bring death, and Paul says, put those to death in you. It's another way of Paul saying, listen, put good things in your mind. Put to death those things. Our world is saturated with television and media and and news reports and literature and all kinds of things that while they are not perhaps in their own right sin, they bait you down a path. One of the things that I've been doing in this period of time, I've been focusing on upping the degree of God's word I'm putting in my heart, upping the amount of reading that I'm doing in the area of God's kingdom and God's spirituality. I have never listened to almost any. I just can't. But I don't listen to anything right now that's not worship, God-centered, God-exalting music. Why? Because I'm living in a time where I'm constantly being baited to try to worry, to try to be at un uneasy to try to rob me of my rest, to try to cause me to doubt my position in God's kingdom, my, my ability to lead God's people, the ability just to live the life that he's called me to live. And it's constantly being, that's just bait abounds everywhere. So what am I doing? I'm taking the bait out. And I'm putting in things that produce rest and peace and goodness in God's presence so that there is no place for that four-step process my sinful nature entices me. Sin is conceived. That sinful nature produces death. I, I don't want that to be taking place in my life, and I don't want it to be taking place in your life either. The battle is in your mind. So fill your mind with good things. What does that mean? Turn that television off. I'm not preaching. I'm not railing against television and all things. Turn off the places where the world is able to push itself into your thoughts. You may not even have to do this forever, but for now, 
Take away the input of all the things that would lead you down a path that produces worry or fear or robs you of your rest or causes you to, you know, to, to be unforgiving or ungracious or unkind. Um, I'm not watching any of the political meanderings that are going on right now. Why? I, I, I just I can't, I can't deal with it. Uh, I'm, I'm not going to not be engaged, but I don't think there's any truth out there right now. I don't think anybody's, everything's spun for somebody's purposes. So I'm just, I just shut those out, focusing on God's word, listening to the spirit, walking in the way God wants me to walk, saying the things he wants me to say, being who he wants me to be, winning the battle of my mind. Then I lay my head down on a pillow and I sleep good at night. Do I know what tomorrow holds? No. I know the one who holds it though. Because that's the bait that I'm filling my mind with. And I've noticed that every day I do that, oh my goodness, his presence is real. His kingdom is large. He's exalted. And everything works the way it's supposed to. Living in a period of time where the enemy is trying to win the battle of your mind, don't allow him to do so. Set your mind on things above and God will produce life and peace and rest in you. Let me pray for you. Father... Oh, Lord, thank you. Thank you for your word. It is not only theologically relevant, it is practically relevant. It'll help us get through tough times. It'll make our marriages better. It'll make our work better. It'll make our health better. It'll make our relationships better. It will remove the traps of the enemy that try to lead us down paths that would ultimately give birth to sin, and sin would bring destruction in our lives or in the lives of those around us. You've called us to something more. You've equipped us through the work of the Spirit, through your word, to be something more. Raise up a church, Father. Raise up a church powerful in this, in this day that we live in. Raise up people who are so stayed upon you, Father, that their minds can't be baited away and they can't be led into sin. Raise up a generation, Father, alive on the earth today, Father, Spirit-filled, Listening for your voice, Holy Spirit, being led by your direction. And when we do, Lord, bring revival to this land. Take what the enemy, according to Genesis 50, 20, what the enemy has meant for evil, and turn it into something good. We thank you. We bless you. We give you this day in Jesus' powerful name. Amen.